Father, it is a, uh, a delight and a privilege to gather again today uh, to sing praises to you and to uh, hear you, uh, hear your word and to be uh, shaped by your powerful transform transforming word. So we pray uh, that as we come um, to hear today, we pray that you would uh, please soften our hearts uh, deeply. Please um, yeah, remove the distractions from our minds and uh, may we take in what you have us uh, for us to hear today through um, your servant Paul and we pray that you would yeah, shape us powerfully uh, by your word today for your glory in Jesus name amen slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart just as you would obey Christ obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favouritism with him. It's uh, wonderful to be with you again as we keep exploring this whole topic of work. Uh, although, as I said last week, I think uh, we, we need to have the, the Bible's expanded version of thinking about work and what it means to serve God in his world. Uh, yesterday, I googled the phrase work-life balance, and I got over three billion hits in 0.57 seconds, right? Pretty, no, I worked my way through No, I didn't work my way through them, but uh, it was extraordinary. What it did was it revealed that this is a huge issue for us, and I think particularly in the Western world. Most of us struggle to actually get the, the balance of life right. And it's not just if you're uh, an employed work and uh, you know, the other sorts of time that you have, but actually trying to work out how you use your time well and the pressures you feel from all sorts of different sources. But work itself brings challenge. There was a news poll survey done and people uh, were asked this question. Do you spend too much time working and too little time with family and friends? Too much time working, too little time with family and friends. 80% agreed that that was the case. There was a follow-up question and 90% said that they thought family was more important than work. Isn't that interesting? The inability to actually match what we have in terms of our convictions and our life together. In Australia, 45% uh, of employed adult males clock up more than 45 hours a week. This, this stat was interesting for me. Between 1978 and 2012, the number of empl employed women uh, working, uh, the number working over 45 hours a week doubled in that time. Uh, they just the number of hours that people are working. When it comes to annual leave, 30% of Australians do not take their entitlement to four weeks annual leave each year. They don't actually use up the time that's allocated to them. And this is despite the fact that we know from medicos and advisors that overworking is detrimental to your health. Uh, there's a direct correlation between overwork and obesity, 
alcoholism, drug addiction, uh, poor mental health and cardiovascular disease, all linked to that, overwork. And yet on the other hand, we know there's also a problem when it comes to unemployment or underemployment. In recent years, that's been reported on in our culture. Uh, even with record lower unemployment rates right now, uh, unemployment is still an issue for some people. Some people want paid employment, they can't get it. But now we actually measure underemployment. And this has been particularly because of the increased casualisation in the workforce, people working uh, flexible hours and not being able to work as many hours as they would like to be able to work. And that obviously brings a certain strain on people. The flexibility might be good, but the uncertainty of the number of hours and the income you can receive can be quite draining. Uh, during COVID, we've seen other sorts of stresses. People who uh, were previously working with others in an office setting now finding themselves working by themselves at home. Now, for some of us who are you know, introverts, you know, this has been sort of heaven, you know, like the terrific. But actually, for a lot of people, it's created problems. How do you draw that line between when you're working at home and when you're not working at home and living with your work and the stress that that brings. I think managing that work-life balance is quite tricky to get right. Last week, what we explored was some of the ways in which we look to work to actually give us our sense of meaning and satisfaction and purpose. Uh, ultimately, though, we saw only God can fulfil those sorts of needs. He's the only one who can do that. And so what I want to do, do is keep exploring what God has to say about work, our attitudes and our approach. Uh, whether you're in paid employment or whether you're retired or a stay-at-home parent or unemployed or a student, I think that there's uh, stuff here for us all to learn. So let, let's dig in together. I want to start, though, by... Um, asking a question, what does the Bible actually have to say about vocation or calling? I'm going to put some definitions up on the screen. Uh, the dictionary says, uh, describes vocation in this way. A strong feeling of suitability for a particular career or occupation. When it comes to calling, this was the definition. A strong urging towards a particular way of life or a career. And I think in modern Australia, like a lot of Western countries, having a job or a career you enjoy is seen to be critical, a critical element for a happy life. It's just the way our country operates. And so important is it that we actually employ people whose job it is to tell us what job we should get. Uh, all my kids, when they going through high school, did extensive sort of psychometric testing to try and work out their gifts and suitabilities for different employments. Uh, something that never happened when I was young. I know one uh, guy who was going through year 12 who was part of the church in the city and he did this psychometric testing at school and the uh, report came back and it told him, remember we're talking about a 17-year-old male, right, uh, year 12, it told him he was ideally suited to be a funeral director. Okay, <laughs> this wasn't exactly exciting for him to hear. Uh, it wasn't what he was thinking. He became a mathematics professor at university. 
but, you know, there you go. But, yeah, it, it is sensible, though, isn't it, to try and work out what your gifts are and to enjoy them if you can. And that's actually what the Bible says. You go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 in the Old Testament, it says this, a person can do nothing better than to eat and to drink and to find satisfaction in their toil. So how does, how does the Bible address this question of vocation uh, or calling? Christians, I think, assume it's, it's sensible to get a job that lines up with your gifts. Absolutely. But Christians, I think, have an additional question that they want to ask. And the question is this, what job does God want me to do? Now, can I say, that is not a bad question, but it's not a question that I think the Bible ever asks or gets us to address as believers in, in quite that way. So I want to look very briefly with you at what the Bible says about calling and just wrestle it around together. There's over 50 uh, uses of the word calling in the New Testament, and it's used in a range of ways. So let me take it through. There'll be verses that will come up on the screen you can look at. Uh, we're told that God calls people. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24, we're told that the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Uh, understand what we're talking here is the God who calls you into a relationship with himself. Uh, Christians are described as called ones. Uh, Romans 8, verse 28, uh, we're called according to his purpose. Yeah, you could say to someone, I'm a Christian. You could just as easily say, I'm a called one. Yeah, it means the same thing, essentially, when you read the Bible. We're called by God through the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 2, 14. He called you through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, hearing and responding to the good news about Jesus' death and resurrection, it is the way God calls people in relationship to himself. But here's the question that's particularly relevant. What does God call us to do? In 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 7, we read this. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live holy life. See, the, the Bible doesn't talk about being called uh, to a particular job, uh, you know, garbage collector or street sweeper or nurse or factory worker or pastor or doctor. That's not, not the way the Bible uses that sort of language. And uh, there are a couple of times in the New Testament where Paul refers to himself as called to be an apostle. But that's as close as you get. Um, that, that very, you know, God laying his hand upon apostles to preach the word of God. Our vocation, uh, according to the New Testament, our you know, calling, is to actually honour God, the one who has called you to himself, and we're to do that with our whole life. That's the way the New Testament talks about it. Now, what I'd like to do to see if I can capture that in just a few diagrams, right? The diagrams are my idea, but I want to say someone else drew them, which is the reason you can probably understand them when they come up, all right? So a couple of diagrams to try and capture what I'm talking about. So the first that will come up on the screen uh, right now, this is, I, I think, the way our Western world views vocation or calling. 
That is, vocational calling equals a job, and the big question that people are trying to answer is, what job am I suited to? Okay? That's the way our culture hits this question. I want to move to a second diagram, and I've called this the, um, the pseudo-Christian view. It sort of seems Christian, but I don't think it particularly is uh, sort of view. And what you can see is the, the diagram is essentially the same and the perspective is essentially the same. That is, uh, vocation or calling is limited to a job or a career. But the key question for believers is slightly different. That is, what job does God want me to do? Now, it's not a bad question, as I said before, just not particularly the Bible's question. Now, this third diagram I'm going to throw up, uh, it tries to capture, I think, what is the biblical or Christian view of calling. And it is, it is that everything we do in life is meant to be for the glory of God. Uh, so whether you're a neighbour or a child or a parent or a tyree or a spouse or a student or a worker or you name it, uh, it's all for the glory of God. And the key question is totally different. That is, how do I faithfully serve God in all of life? Right? That's the nature of the way the Bible talks about calling. Now, if you're a diagram sort of copier, uh, just ask Steve to send it the diagrams to you during the week, and he'll happily do that. He hasn't got much to do, so he'd love to do that. Uh, it's not true, <laughs> but I'm sure they'd be very happy to help. But I find this, um, this sort of framing of it, I find it personally enorm enormously helpful. Because what, what it does is stops me overemphasising or underemphasising my work. It helps me to think about the whole of life, not just particular aspects of life. So if you're in employment uh, or you're retired in some way, work, work is just one element of the mosaic that is life lived for the glory of God. It's an aspect of it. People um, they speak of, you know, work-life balance, and you can Google over 3B and hits in 0.57 seconds, you know, like, it's a big topic. But can I say that as uh, believers, for those of you who have trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the discussion becomes one about the God-life balance, that is, with God at the centre of all of life, he then shapes every aspect of life according to his will and his purposes. And can I just say, if you're here this morning and you're not someone who would count yourself a follower of Jesus, then the question you have to ask is what you put at the centre of life. What becomes the dominant thing that actually shapes everything else? And I think in our secular world, one of those things often is work. But it can be lots of things. It can be, you know, uh, work or a dominant relationship or it can be your quest over uh, for certain things or a lifestyle. They can occupy the centre place. With God at the centre, though, that then shapes and brings into perspective and balance, ideally, everything else in life. But because this series on work, um, uh, what I'm going to do is now focus on one aspect of life. So the red arrow will pop up. I want to focus on work, 
deliberately uh, uh, refine our thinking. And I want to ask this question, how does our calling, you know, to follow God in all of life, how does it affect one aspect of our lives? Work. Okay, so let's think about work and how it impacts uh, my calling, how it impacts my job. And what I want to do is turn to that passage that we heard read just a little earlier, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 to 9. Now, what you would have heard is it's a passage about masters and slaves, and I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, But putting that section of Ephesians chapter 6 into the context of that letter of Ephesians, let me frame that because I think it's important to work out where we're going. The first three chapters of Ephesians, they talk about all the blessings that we have in Christ. If I was trying to summarise that, it is what it means to be called into a relationship with God through Christ. That's, that's what the three chapters are about. When you get to chapters 4, 5 and 6, uh, they are the chapters that talk about what it means to honour God in all of life, to live out your calling and to do that uh, faithfully. That's why you get this transitional verse in chapter 4, verse 1, where Paul the Apostle, moving from the blessings in Christ, um, the nature of our calling to how we live it out, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. We've heard all about the blessings, now live worthy of that calling. And then we get to Ephesians chapter 6, and Paul turns his attention to slaves or bond servants. And the question that's coming up here is how do I live as a Christian slave uh, or how do I live as a Christian master in this section? Now, a couple of thoughts before we jump in. First is, uh, for us, I think slavery generally conjures up images of the African slave trader. You know, that's our sort of more contemporary picture. And it wasn't an especially accurate picture for first century, the first century Roman Empire. Uh, slaves could be doctors, bankers, civil servants. They often managed very substantial households. Uh, they, in the normal course of things, often received compensation for what they did. Now, they were still slaves, they were still owned, but it was a slightly different cultural context. Second observation I want to make is, you might have said to me, Paul, yeah, we're talking about work and employment. Why didn't you just go to the passages that are all about work and employment rather than going to the ones about slavery, even though sometimes I can see the connection, you know, like that. But why not do that? And you would have gone to what passages in the New Testament? Well, there's actually not much in the New Testament on work and employment, interestingly enough which I think just reinforces the point I was trying to make before. When it comes to the Bible, this is not the big issue. Uh, It's quite a secondary sort of issue. Okay, let's look at some of the things that come out of this passage that I think helps us as we think about principles for, for work. When you become a Christian, you get a new boss. Right? That's the way this section operates. Um, If you're a Christian and whether you're an employer or an employee or a stay-at-home parent or unemployed or a retiree or you work from home or you go into the office, God is always the boss we serve. Listen to Ephesians 6 verse 5. It says, Obey your earthly masters or bosses 
uh, with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart as you would obey Christ. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. So if you're someone who owns a company with, with 100 employees or you're the lowest down on the totem pole, Christians all serve the same master. It is the Lord. That's our first allegiance. There's also a new goal you have when you work. Um, often I've heard Christians say, and in fact I had a discussion with someone a bit like this at the end of uh, last week, that people will recognise where believers or identify us as believers because of the excellence of the work that we do. Right? I want you to notice that here it's all about character and attitude rather than the quality of work. I'll come back to that, but character and attitude. So verse 5, it talks about respecting or obeying your earthly master. Verse 5 talks about sincerity of heart. Verse 6, uh, doing that not only to win their favour, when their eye is on you. That is, if you're a believer and your boss heads out of the office, it doesn't affect the way in which you work. You're always faithful. Uh, and it's the same for bosses too. Uh, verse 9, it says, Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. See, if you're a boss or a manager or a supervisor and you're a Christian, then you'll be known uh, for your grace, for your fairness, for your generosity, for your humility. See, we're to display the character of God to a watching world. That's what we're called to do. Ephesians 3.10 uh, says, Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is made known to many. We're like sort of mini display cabinets of what God is like in the workplace or in the neighbourhood or in any relationship, really. See, believers, they don't gossip at work. They don't put other people down. They're not glory seekers trying to get attention. They don't climb over the top of other people to get promotions. When people are struggling with their work, we're the, we're the people who lend a hand. When people are grieving because of other things in their lives, we're the ones who listen and care. It's that character demonstrated in the workplace or in all of life that we're encouraged to do. So let me come back to the question, which I think often does come up. So will Christians be excellent at work? Will they generally do a better job than non-Christians? I want you to look at verse 7 uh, here in Ephesians 6. The word that's used is wholeheartedly. And the idea is faithfulness, not excellent. So will we be the best at our jobs because we're Christian? Maybe. It's actually possible. As I go around even the Trinity network of churches, uh, I come across some real world beaters. You know, we have professors and judges and university academics. Uh, we have wealthy people who own significant businesses. Uh, we have some high-achieving students. Uh, you know, there are some people who do incredible things. But if I can just say most of them are plotters, just like us, okay? You know, that, that's, that's the reality. Most of us 
or average or somewhere around there. So at the end of the day, whether you're excellent at your work probably depends a little bit on the gifts you've got. So was I the best lawyer in Adelaide when I retired after three years as a lawyer? No. I was only just getting started working out which way I was up. Was I the best third-year lawyer, right, at the end of three years of practising law? No, I wasn't. You know, there were lots of other people who were doing better work than me as lawyers because they were smarter and they worked a stack more hours. Was I being faithful? Yeah. That's what I was trying to work out. I remember talking to a guy who worked in... uh, banking and he became a Christian when he'd already started on his banking career and he said what he set himself to do was to try and work out how he could be the best banker he could possibly be given his gifts on 40 to 45 hours a week. He said sometimes I had to do extra hours because of the seniority of my position but generally he said I just set myself to be as faithful and do as well as I could with the time that I had. And I thought, yeah, that I think captures the attitude that we're to bring. So how should Christians think about career advancement or climbing the ladder? See, how do we go about that? Remember um, in the city church, uh, I was out in the yard after church one day and someone approached me and they said, have you heard about Dennis? Okay, now, Dennis at this point was one of the sort of senior elders in the church, very godly man, and I caught up with him on a regular basis, normally at least once a week. Have I heard about Dennis? Well, maybe, you know. (laughs) What about Dennis? He just got this sort of mega promotion in his company that sort of put him in the stratosphere. And uh, had I heard? No, I hadn't heard. Dennis hadn't told me. So, I, you know, I thought Dennis will tell me, but he didn't. And so I made it time to catch up with him for coffee and uh, was sitting down, you know, how's your family, how, you know, kept working through, how's work, you know. <laughs> and uh, he didn't tell me he got the promotion. I said to him, Dennis, someone told me the other day that you got this sort of mega promotion that, you know, means you're ruling the world in your company, you know, like, and, uh, you know, he said, yes, oh, that's right. And uh, I said, why didn't you tell me? And uh, he said, oh, brother. He said, if it had been important, I would have told you. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, okay, right. Um, tw- Twelve months later, I was out in the yard. Same guy came up to me and said, have you heard about Dennis? I- I'd played this game before. And uh, I-, I said... Uh, tell me, you know, about Dennis. He lost the job. Uh, He's back in his old job. He's been demoted, so something obviously went wrong. And I thought, ah, Dennis hadn't told me. Um, He'll tell me for sure this time. A couple of weeks went past, didn't tell me. And so I made a coffee to catch up. How are you going, Dennis? You know, how's the family? Blah, 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 blah. How's work? Fine. Fine, you know. I said, mate, someone came up to me in the yard and told me, you know, that sort of stellar job you had, you'd lost it and you were back in your old job. He said, oh, yes, brother, that's true. I said, what happened? And he said, uh, 
He said, ah. Oh. He said, I found I was in a space where the job was just taking over life. I wasn't having the time I should have for my family. Uh, I wasn't able to care for my, you know, my mother who's ageing. Uh, I was dropping the ball on some of the stuff here at church that I wanted to be doing. So I went back to my boss and I said, I want my old job back. Uh, because, and explained to his boss why he wanted the old job back. And uh, so I was sitting there listening to this. And then he said, and brother, if it had been important, I would have told you. <laughs> I felt well and truly put in my right spot. Hmm. See, the, the whole idea of how do, how do we think about work and career advancement. See, I know a professional woman with her own business. Uh, she's had it for a number of years. And she's one of the leading people in her field in the whole of Australia. So she could have grown the business, expanded it, employed more people, made more money. But she's chosen to limit it down to two days a week, uh, just so that she can create the space for family, for aging parents, for church ministry, all those sorts of things. Because she's actually made a decision to try and be faithful to God in all of life, given her circumstances. See, our main goal when it comes to work, it's not to climb the ladder. It's not about self-esteem or fulfillment or wealth, even about enjoyment, actually. They're all byproducts. They're never the goal. Well, what about if you're unhappy in your work? Should you look for a, another job? Can I say, I think it's a good thing if you can enjoy your work. And we do live in a culture where we have a certain amount of freedom to change jobs. But in, in my observation, people do change jobs for very wrong reasons, because often they hope that work will actually fill up uh, that sense of absence or the, the gulf that they have, um, complete them in some way. But at the end of the day, only God can do that a job, or a person, or a hobby, or stuff, can never do that. Only God can do that. In 1 Corinthians 7, uh, Paul the Apostles talking about whether slaves uh, should seek to be free of being slaves, uh, you know, if they have the, the, the option. This is what he says, and uh, it's really uh, quite profound, I think. Were you a slave when you were called? Well, don't let it trouble you. Although, if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who is a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's free person. Similarly, the one who was free when they were called is Christ's slave. Uh, every job, every stage of life, uh, it, it has its challenges. And it is the case whether it's um, you're in paid employment with the boss from hell, or if you're the boss that has 100 employees that think they're doing you a favour when they turn up to work each day. You know, all of us are in different situations. Maybe it's the challenge of trying to reinvent your identity 
on retirement or feeling presumed upon by your family or looked down upon because you're a stay-at-home parent. All of us feel those challenges. I remember Sue, uh, one day I came home from work and uh, Sue had been looking after three preschool kids at this stage, lively kids at this stage, and she told me this story. She said, the kids were just run, running wild, so I got them together and I felt like I was just chasing after them all day, trying to sort them out. And I said to them, sitting there, three of them in a row, you know, one and a half, you know, three and four and a half, and said to them, I am not your slave, right? these three kids. And, uh, and one of them, who was a more reflective child, uh, said to her, mothers are a bit like slaves. You know? <laughs> this wasn't what Sue was looking for. for uh, fulfilment always is ultimately tied to our calling. We are in Christ. That's our fulfilment. We have a different goal, don't we? Uh, most uh, workers, or lots of workers, they have annual appraisals that are called 360 reviews. And often uh, promotions and pay increases are dependent upon how that review goes. The Christian goal is always to please our heavenly boss. And here's the thing, we know there's a 360 review that's coming. Listen to Ephesians 6, verses 8 and 9. You know that the Lord, as the big boss, right, he will reward each one for whatever good they do. Uh, Christians, we don't just live for the pat on the back from our bosses or shareholders or more money or recognition in our workplace. Yeah, we live for the approval of our Heavenly Father and his approval at the end of the age because on the last day, uh, what we want to hear is his appraisal when he says to each one of us, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. So they're the words that you long to hear. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, you're a gracious and merciful God. Thank you that in your kindness you've called us in relationship with you. You've done it through the gospel, the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And Heavenly Father, we pray that we'll see that all of life is to be lived in service of you, in response to your generosity to us. Now, Father, we know that um, uh, we'll always struggle to get that right. And, in different ways and yet father we pray we'll keep coming back to that central truth of serving you not allowing other things to shade your glory and honor in our lives uh, help us to work out what faithfulness looks like day by day and we pray it in jesus name amen